Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Power blackouts. They happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Goal Zero is the leader in affordable generators and home backup systems. They offer a simple, easy solution for when power blackouts hit so you can keep your home up and running using clean energy. Their systems power critical circuits in your home, which are terrible if they go out like your freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. No fuel, no fumes, no noise, no maintenance, unlike gas generators. Not to mention, Goal Zero is portable, so you can take your power on the go as needed for camping, tailgating, and more. And they offer a range of products and affordable price points to meet your needs. From power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that you can power for one, two, or three days. You can easily monitor and manage your power right from your phone with the Goal Zero app. And they offer best-in-class service with a U.S.-based service team that provides the highest level of technical and customer support. So make sure your power stays on with Goal Zero. Learn more at GoalZero.com. Check out their affordable power stations, solar generators, and home backup systems today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, our guest today is Eric Martsov, who has played Brady Black on Days of Our Lives since 2008. Now, Brady is a character we saw come into the world in a most dramatic fashion back in 1992. Now, here we are 27 years later, and he's a 40-something man embroiled in a very dysfunctional situation with Kristen, (laughs) who is now expecting his baby. But, you know, it's really interesting to look around the soap landscape and see that he's not the only character who was born on screen and is now driving really big story. Well, I have to say, I know the character hasn't aged in real time, but I (laughs) still sort of feel like, where did the time go? Because I fully remember him being born in the midst of John and Izzy B's wedding. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was like a sophomore in high school at the time. Um, Okay, hi. I was already working here. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) even before that, like, I remember... Cheryl Stansberry giving birth to Lucas and Felicia giving birth to Maxie on GH. It it really just is a unique property of soaps that you can, in a compressed amount of time, but over time nonetheless, see a character go from like cute little Moppet to an adult with their own soapy problems just like their parents once had. 
Oh, absolutely. And it certainly speaks to the importance of generational storytelling and the fact that soaps really have the time to tell them. I mean, again, besides the rapid aging, you know, like there really is, um, you know, episodes and long ones, like long amounts of time and arcs to see these stories play out. You know, on Days Alone, in addition to Brady, you have Hope, Jennifer, Sarah, Sierra, Eric, Will, and JJ, who were all born on screen, who are on screen now, and have carried major tales over the years. You know, on B&B, there's Steffi, Hope, and Thomas, also born on screen and are driving really big stories right now. And certainly the Newman kids on Y&R have gotten their fair share of screen time over the years, um, you know, as have Summer and Abby and Kyle and even Chloe. For sure. And there, like, there are a ton of other GHers that we've got to add to that mix. Jason, Christina, Molly, Lulu, Michael, Cameron, and Jocelyn, you know? I I always find myself wondering when new babies are born, and I don't know if this is just me, but I'm like, all right, when they are inevitably aged, who are (laughs) they going to be paired with? Like, will Rocco hook up with Georgie? Will Leo and Donna be a thing? No, totally. And I think back to the days group, I mean, when they had Claire and Sierra, who were born so close in age and were, you know, aunt and niece, right. but ended up being peers <laughs> and in that same group, you know, I really feel like they looked like they were on the cusp of creating the next generation of days storytelling and with, you know, characters that I cared about, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of like what they did with the whole dot-com crew and with Sean and Belle and, you know, found a lot of story to mine in the characters who were offspring of the characters we cared about. Mm-hmm. I mean, where would Sammy's stories be had she never had Will? I mean, just having a child alone drove so much story for her character. And then, you know, Lucas and Austin and Carrie and just really made that that storyline and those characters like a focal point of days for so many years. Yeah, and I mean, just to add on that, it also enriches, like if we were invested in Marlena, uh, Marlena's relationship with Will became so special. Oh, you know? absolutely. Um, that's why I always feel like instead of bringing in someone random, bring in, like, that grandkid that moved away, you know. Like, the, I was so glad when General Hospital brought Lucas back because he does have that, you know, that tie to the core characters. Um, and even when they do play fast and loose with the ages and it's so silly oftentimes and we love to point that out in the magazine and features occasionally how like <laughs> none of this computes um, in terms of like the actual on-screen births. Um, it's certainly worth it to have a community of characters all inter- uh, playing with one another that we do have like a pre-existing investment in. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we've talked about days and having people come visit, you know, how they just had Lucas come back for Kate's hospital drama, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have Will supporting him. I mean, it really to tell these kinds of stories is how, you know, soap towns are built. I mean, not to be trite, but that really is what the foundational element is in all of these towns. If you go back to uh, Erica Kane and Mona, I mean, just that mother-daughter dynamic alone from the very beginning of All My Children really set the tone for, you know, sort of where Pine Valley was going to be. Absolutely. And I think, like, uh, for me, and I think for a lot of people, the draw to soaps is this fantasy of community that Mm -hmm. they build through these generations. The idea that like everyone knows each other, everyone's in each other's business, sometimes in a good way, sometimes not, but everyone cares, you know, and they're all involved in in each other's domestic lives, uh, which certainly, you know, you, you need to have that family structure in order to like really bring that to life. 
which I do play the game sometimes of, wait, do those two people know each other? Because I do think it is so funny when you do have characters in a town who rarely <laughs> right. cross. Right, 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 right. And then right. you see them in a scene together and you're like, wait, have they ever been in a scene together? Well, I'm always obsessed with how everyone has each other's numbers in their cell phones. <laughs> at like, like, really, why would, you know, I can't think of an example, but like, why would Carly have, you know, so-and-so's cell phone number um, and, and, and their photos? You know, like their photos, like in the contact information and uh-huh. in the phones. I mean, I'm digressing, but, you know, again, I guess maybe there's just like a central location in these towns you can go to. Everyone <laughs> hold up their phone. Everyone changes information over the cloud and we, we're, we're good to go. It all happens. It's that sense of community. <laughs> yes, right exactly. There. Exactly. Well, I guess that's why. Brady's journey has been, you know, something that we've all wanted to watch because of how we felt about Isabella, certainly, who, you know, passed too young. Yes. And really that, you know, he is now John's only child on the canvas. So um, not to mention all of the very dramatic things he has had to go through, (laughs) especially recently. So let's get his portrayer, Eric Martzoff, on the phone to talk about all that's been going on on screen and off. Hi, Eric. Well, hi. How are y'all? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I got nothing to complain about. Oh. So that's good. I'm happy we're getting you today then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I always like talking to you. Yeah. So the last time we spoke to you, it was a dual interview with Cassie. So this is the first time we're getting you solo. So we're going to take a little trip down, you know, Eric Martzoff memory lane. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Well, that'll be nice not to have Cassie to correct me. (laughs) Yeah, just you. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, so let's start at the beginning. Now, you were not initially going to be an actor, correct? No, no. I was your typical, uh, I don't know if it's typical, but I was the son of a lawyer. And I went to high school and college with every intention of becoming a lawyer like my dad. And that's that was what I was going to do. I wasn't sure why I was going to do it. It just seemed like the right path and a stable path. Um, but lo and behold, I got I got the bug. I, I started uh, doing musicals and plays in college and, and high, high school, prior, uh, high school and college. And it was just it was just something I, I didn't want to let go. And graduation day, I looked my dad in the face. I said, are you OK if I just take off to New York for a year? And he said, um, Eric, you can you can take off for as long as you want, because I don't know if you want to be a lawyer. Uh, oh. I don't think you do. Uh, I know you've studied hard and you've, you've gotten good grades and I respect that. But um, just to let you know, being a lawyer is OK. I don't really enjoy it that much. I just happen to be good at it and I support my family doing it. But by all means, if you've found something that lights you up inside and and you really love it, and I've seen you on stage, and I've, I, I don't see you light up like that when you're reading a philosophy of law book. <laughs> so why don't you go take as much time as you want? So I received my father's blessing literally that day, and I didn't look back. I took that as a green light, and I just I took my butt to New York and lived in a basement for a while until I got my first gig which was not that long a wait. Oh, that's great. Where was this basement? Where did you live in New York? I lived in, well, for, I tried to live in Manhattan, but I quickly realized that that lifestyle was not going to work because I ran out of money within probably six months. I didn't, I didn't budget very well. I'm not, I'm not much of a businessman, actually. Uh, so the, <laughs> I kind of mis- misguided myself with the amount of funds I had. 
And uh, I ended up in Jersey City in a in a basement. It was in the middle of the winter, and uh, it was with a with a girl. I had a girl roommate, a girl roommate, a female roommate <laughs> um, that I had worked with at Hershey Park. Uh, that's where I found my love of performing during the summers that I was in college, and uh, it was flooded half the time during the winter because <laughs> now the water got in. So I I slept on this mattress, and it was usually uh, I was usually waking up and getting out of bed and stepping into some kind of moist carpet. Oh dear. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty bad, but that's when I got a phone call from a guy who asked me if I wanted to be a baritone on a Hawaiian cruise ship. And when you're, when when you're standing in a basement in Jersey, that's (laughs) freezing and you're getting frost bitten toes, you say yes, you say (laughs) yes to that call, you know? (laughs) And I was in Maui, uh, 24 hours later on a boat wondering to myself, what, what am I doing? Like, this is not the path I thought I was going to be on. But there I, I sang zippity doo in front of people in a lounge on a Hawaiian cruise ship for nine months. Wow. Yeah. And can we get a, can we get a, I, can we get a little bit of, can we get a sampler? Can we get a bar <laughs> or two? <laughs> oh God. You would, <laughs> well, it was cool. It was like a jazz. It was like a jazz version. It wasn't like your Disney version. It was like a dunk, dunk, dunk. I mean, it was, it's kind of funky, you know? Nice. I'd, mean, I'd watch that show. Do you do bar mitzvahs? <laughs> um, yeah, I would. I would. I would. Yeah, sure. I don't think they'd mind that. I don't think NBC would mind that. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, Just another job to add to your <laughs> list of jobs. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, shortly after that, I, I found myself at Dollywood uh, singing with Dolly Parton for a while. And that was uh, that was about two and a half years I did that. And that's when I got the call to go on the tour of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat as the Pharaoh. And that took me on the road with the Osmond family for about three years. And that's when I met my wife, Lisa, who was a dancer on that show. And when the tour ended, and I, I always, I have a problem with... Um, I read, I'm I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but I I read the interview that you posted, the flashback Thursday interview. I thought it was funny that we posted it on the day that we're talking to you. That was, that was Kismet. Yes, it was a coincidence. Yeah. Oh, I thought you guys planned that. I really did. Nope. Um, But I, I, I I find myself saying the same thing that I've never really been great at uh, giving up jobs. I, I stick with them till the very end. And I did that with this Joseph tour. I just stayed and stayed and stayed. And I waited till they kicked me off that bus. They said, okay, the tour is over. We've literally done this in every city four times over. So Eric, you got to get off the bus. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I saw that tour, by the way. Did you? Yes. I took my little sister. Uh, you, might have, you might have seen oh, me. Thumbs up. Uh, I was the guy doing the Elvis thing in the second well, act, which I, was probably wearing a, a, a skirt. We could yeah. do Joseph together from start to finish. I don't want you to tell me who you were. Don't insult me. Joseph was my jam. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You and uh, you know who else loves Joseph is uh, Camila Banus loves Joseph. I think that was her first uh, her first play that she ever did. Oh. So when we're in the we're, when when we're in the makeup room, she will usually end up cracking out some. Go, 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 Joseph. <laughs> I didn't even know she sang. 
She, I don't think she does, oh. but she loves it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to tell her you said so. <laughs> nah, she can sing. She's multi-talented. <laughs> she, she doesn't have to sing. She can salsa her way out of any song. That's true. Um, wait, before yeah, we gloss over the singing with Dolly Parton part, what is it okay. like to be on stage at Dollywood? Like, that's not something that many people have experience with, one would imagine. No, no. It's, uh, it's, I was only supposed to go there for a Christmas show. That was my contract. And I ended up just falling in love with, with the people and the atmosphere and the mountains and the scenery and the, just the, just the overall kindness that these people exude down there. And I was, you know, for lack of a better phrase, I was the Yankee, you know, I was the outsider and, uh, it really took me in. I was really intimidated, but, um, wow. And Kent, they sure know how to make their bourbon down there too. <laughs> my God. It checked all and the boxes got, then. Yeah. Everything was just working out really, really well. And, uh, meeting Dolly Parton and getting to, getting to sing some bars with her was just, uh, it was just dreamlike. You know, she's one of those people that you meet, you can't believe you're actually talking to her. You assume she's some kind of a you know, figment of your imagination. Right. She's a real girl. <laughs> she, she's a real lady. And she just happens to be a small little country girl that happened to make it big. And, uh, that town loves her down there, but mm -hmm. it was, it was wild. It was a wild experience. I did so many shows down there. I opened up the 50s section of the park down there. They had this brand new 50s section. It was kind of like a grease, uh, grease type show. And I was the Danny Zuko in, in a sense. And I just had a ball. I just had a ball. Sounds fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. And then you left musical theater behind when you came to Soaps in 2002, which is crazy to think that it was 17 years ago that you made your debut as Ethan on that Passions. Nuts. That is pretty crazy. And it was it was actually funny enough, uh, Not just going back to Joseph for a second, it was Jody Benson who... Uh, if you don't know who she is, she's the voice of the Little Mermaid, the original voice. Isn't and she your she boy's godmother? The, I feel like we've done a lot of interviews with her, with you about yeah. her. Yes. She, I just I just adore her because she, she was the one that pushed Lisa and I to go to L.A. I was determined to go back to New York and maybe do Gaston, Beauty and the Beast or something. I don't know. That was my, I'm like, I'm a musical theater. That's all I can do. I don't know anything about L.A. That's scary. That's weird. Actors out there are prima donnas. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And she's like, you need to go just go. And she was right. Like two, two years later, that's when I, I believe I, well, I did originally, uh, audition for Ethan, uh, at the outstart of, of passions. I didn't get it. Travis got it. And then three years later I got it. Well, what and was that, that like that for whole, you? Yeah. Have I, to, have I told you the short little story about how I ended up getting a test for that? No. Uh, Jackie, Bris Jackie Brisky, the casting director, I was in there reading and and in the dialogue, uh, it had the word precedent because Ethan was talking about Teresa, to Teresa about the precedent of some case. And I said, well, Teresa, you don't understand. I mean, these cases, they, they have precedents. And Jackie stopped me. And she went, oh, whoa, whoa, Eric, wait a second. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I really am. I just want to thank you. And I said, oh, okay, why? She said, um, for saying the word precedent correctly. <laughs> uh, you have... You have no many. You have no idea how many guys, how many <laughs> lovely, handsome men have come in here and gone. Teresa, the precedent of the case, and <laughs> the precedent, and the precedent, and she's just. <laughs> and then I, you know, I said to her, "Well, maybe, maybe that has to do with that." I mean, I did go to, I, I did study law. Maybe I, I mean, I've seen the word precedent a lot, and I've had a lot of professors say that word, but 
you shouldn't need a legal education to know how to pronounce that word. And she's no, like, you should not. She starts laughing and we're cracking up about it. And that's when she looked at me and she just kind of gave me that nod and looked at Don Philip Smith and said, I want to test this guy. Let's test this guy. And it was kind of out, that, out of that laughter and that ridiculous interruption <laughs> that, that I, it came to pass. So I called my dad. I said, well, I didn't become a lawyer, but I may have gotten a job as a result of <laughs> you know, my legal background, I guess. <laughs> Wait, was this but, the, uh, the screen test in 99 or, or in 2002? This was 2002. Okay. Because I, I didn't get it. I didn't get right. it in 99. Well, I know. Were you like crushed or was it just like another audition that you didn't think would come back that, around? That was just another audition. I, I didn't think twice about it. I was really at a point at my career where uh, if I got good feedback, I was excited. I would go to El Torito with Lisa and like have margaritas and say, they said I was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they had to go. <laughs> they said, I, they, they, you know, my manager said they had to go with someone else. I mean, obviously, of course. I mean, what am I? I'm some musical theater crazy person, but they're going to hire a real actor. But hey, you know, I got good feedback, so let's party. No, I was not in the mindset of that I'm ready to do television of any kind. Though. I, I held that to a very, very high standard, one in which that I didn't think I was ready for yet. And then you were thrust right into it, you know, on Passions, yeah. especially with this role. Yeah, my first scene, they had Teresa uh, getting ready to be lethally injected. And I got on set, Natalie Z, she took me by the arm and I said, oh, wait, 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 are you, my? she's like, I'm your wife. And I'm like, well, why am I, why am I crying about that woman in there that's about to be killed? She's like, well, you kind of love her, but I'm your wife. I'm like, do I love you? I, yeah, you love me. But you, you, have a, you definitely have a thing for that girl in there. I'm like, wow. This is, a, this is a weird first scene to come in on. So I have to, I love you. I love her. I don't want her to die, but I don't want you to know it. I don't want to show it so much. I, I mean, it was just convoluted. I was like, what is this show? And what little little did you know, that was like one of the more grounded scenes you'd ever have to play on Passion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're not kidding. Holy crap. Look at me now. Passion's never had a Dr. Rolf with a magic serum that could bring anybody back from the dead. Or peeling off a latex mask, <laughs> yeah. I imagine. All right. You just want to go into it right now and talk about the mask? Maybe <laughs> no, we we're saving that for a little. We're, we're still, we're, <laughs> we we're got to work our way up our way to, to the mask. mask. We're going to yeah. stay in harmony <laughs> for a second here. <laughs> I got plenty to say about it, so cool. Okay, we'll good. <laughs> okay, so you, you know, I guess true to form, uh, staying, seeing things through to the end, you uh, stayed through the end of Passions. Um, and all the way. And, uh, like, as you reflect on, like, that six-year chunk of, of your career, like, what stands out to you about, you know, Ethan and your that time of your life? You know, the one thing that stands it, it – was, it was my first television gig. It was my first soap. And, you know, you really don't know what you got till it's gone. And I, I look back on that now, now that I have perspective and realize what a, what a wonderful job it was. Um. Because the, the one thing Passions had going for it is that everybody kind of came on board at the same time. And it was, they, they talk about, you know, soap operas having families. And, and, and they are at this point. We've been doing this for so long. But that cast was so tight. There, there was no hierarchy. There was no, no one, no one looked down on anyone else. Everyone was, was truly an equal partner uh, in that show. At least that's how it always felt to me. And it was a smaller cast. We didn't have 40, 50, 60 cast members. It was 
was maybe 15, 16 pivotal principal characters, and we all worked all the time. And I loved that. I mean, we really, really grew close. And um, I guess one of the problematic things that we have now is we, we have so many cast members that there, there tends to be a little bit of a competitive element to get those episodes. I mean, everybody wants to work. Everybody wants to do uh, have shows, but it's it's a bigger pie right now. Uh, there, there aren't as much slices to hand out. And on Passions, we there was just a consistent you know family dynamic that was going on. And we knew what we were doing. I mean, we understood that, you know, we, we weren't considered a true soap opera by soap opera standards, you know, back then. We always ended up usually sitting in row ZZ of the auditorium of any event that we went to. <laughs> oh, there's passions back there. Yeah, let's put that back there. You know, they're passions, for God's sakes. They have a monkey. They have a monkey that ice skates. We have to put them in ZZ. <laughs> but it was, I, oh, I loved it. I love the atmosphere. I love the people. I love the uh, CBS Radford was a beautiful place to shoot. And um, I can't say enough, enough about it. I was really, really happy there every day. Well, I've definitely said this on the podcast. I've said it to anyone I've ever spoken to who worked on Passions. I always argue that you could make the argument that you were the best acting uh, company in daytime because of what you actually had to bring to the screen and make believable or sell every day. You know, it was a challenging stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, some of these, uh, I look at the Oscars sometimes and the, and you, you look at, you know, the, the time that they have to make these scenes and, and, and the, the deep rooted writing that, that goes into these things. I mean, so, some things you can just say, and they sound great. But when you're churning out soap opera every single day, you, you do. You have to sculpt a little more. You have to shave off some edges and, and make it a little more reasonable. And with Passions, we, we really had to suspend reality and turn these, sometimes which were pieces of coal into diamonds, because we would look at each other and just realize, how can we make this work and not just be laughed out of the building? And sometimes we were laughed out of the building, but sometimes sometimes we got some... So got some good dramatic content out of the stuff that we did. I know um, Lindsay and I were just uh, Lindsay Hartley and I were just talking the other day about how 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 deep some of that stuff was between Ethan and Teresa. And the moments that we had were were really memorable. I we, we remember looking at each other's eyes and thinking everything that's going on around us in this town of Harmony is so silly, but but what they're what they're feeling and what they're doing it's it's that's it's soapy. It's good. It, it's really gritty, and I. I still have people coming up to me saying how much passions affected them. And um, despite all the, the silliness of it, it, it moved them. And, and Teresa and Ethan's relationship moved them. And uh, to the point where maybe they had relationships that, that they were going through and, and they literally, you know, hey, if Ethan and Teresa can do it, we can do it too. And they're now married to those people. You know, just stories mm-hmm. like that, that that make you feel good. So there was quality in there. There really was. Well, when passions did go off the air. You really were not unemployed for very long because Days of Our Lives came a few yeah, months later. Yeah. So I think maybe six or seven months and good old Gary Tomlin. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I originally auditioned for Ray Fernandez. Did you know that? I did know that. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, you're so I Ray mean, Fernandez. I can't believe you didn't get the job. <laughs> I know. Why can't a German Swedish guy play Ray Fernandez? <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, that was so funny because I had to do that screen test with Allie as her, you know, lover slash. I think I think the screen test was a. She was pregnant, and we were somewhere where there was no hospital, and I'm holding her hands and saying, "Baby, it's going to be okay. The baby's going to be fine. We're going to be." You know, it was, it was that kind of, you know, intensity, and uh, and then a week later. They called me in and said, hey, we want to bring Brady back. You're not going to be Ray Fernandez, Eric. I'm not going to spoil this for you, but we are thinking about bringing Brady back, and we'd love for you to do it. And I, at the time, was uh, – I think my boys were one. My twin boys were one. I had just purchased a new house in Porter Ranch, and that's when I had lost my job at Passions. And I was – we were a panicked, panicked family uh, at that moment. And that that was just a blessing. That just oh, – that was the best car ride home from that studio after that talk with Gary Tomlin. And he said, welcome to the team. And I shook his hand and I, I was so excited. I, I played with Lisa. I came home and I, I whipped up some tears and I looked at her and I said, I don't know how we're going to do. It. I just don't know what's going to happen. She's like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I looked at her and said, daddy got a job today. And she said, you know, that was probably one of the biggest moments in our little marriage because we thought we were down to the wire and we were rescued by this lovely entertainment business. And by the the thing we call days of our lives, so I'm grateful to to it. And here we are, eleven years later. Never mind. Oh, wow, that flew by. Mm-hmm. That's it flies by. It really, really, really does. Um, whew, what a ride! Oh, totally. What a ride. Now, how much did you know about the character of Brady or his relationships? Like when you came into days. You know, you're obviously a recast, but the character had been off the canvas for a while. So you kind of did have a bit of a blank slate somewhat coming in. Yeah, I had a blank slate. I did have, I believe I had YouTube at that time. Was that was YouTube? I think, YouTube I think that was, was a thing available. back then. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a little bit of research, but uh, I was surprised at how little um, they told me about the history. They just, they just kind of told me what the most recent history was, which was that Brady... Uh, Oh, by the way, you're an addict. You got very envious of the fact of that Chloe was very successful in Vienna and you started up a cocaine habit. And uh, during which does. time you got divorced. Yeah, of course. You watch opera too much and you, you go on cocaine. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, but then also off camera, I put myself into rehab after our marriage dissolved and I got myself better. I did some manual labor in Vienna and got myself uh, ship shape, and now you're coming back to Salem to reignite things with Chloe and make amends to your family and friends. Ready, set, go. And I was like, "Whoa, okay. Well, this this isn't like the Brady that I remember from the YouTube videos. I remember a guy <laughs> like, you know, sitting around, you know, uh, singing to some girl with a mask on, you know, who had had <laughs> flesh eating bacteria float in her face or something. So I mean, this is different." <laughs> And, and you're working uh, with Drake and, and Deidre. Yeah, that 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 very day, that was my first scene. And I walked I walked into the room. Nobody had told me that uh, John Black was going through some kind of dementia or some sort of a mind issue. So I wasn't aware of that. And I walked through the door, and that reaction that I have in my face when Drake looks at me and he kind of you know he throws his head back a little bit and puts that eyebrow in the air and goes. He said nothing, <laughs> if I recall. I think he said nothing. And Marlena's like, it's Brady, your son. <laughs> that look on my face is I thought he was going to 
you know, hi, hi, oh my God, I missed you. How you feeling, son? <laughs> so that was interesting. <laughs> that look on my face is very, it's real. Uh, that's, that's the real thing. And I, I looked at Deidre, I'm like, what's wrong with him? She's like, oh, no, 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 honey. He's, he has this mind issue going on right now. Drake or John Black? Is, is Drake on like, Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> like, will somebody tell me something? What's you needed, going on? You needed Natalie Z there to just yeah. like, give you the four Give you the yeah. cliff notes. <laughs> you needed the for dummies version of what was, what yeah. was happening. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. I think I saw Allie in the hall and like, will you will you help me with this? What is going on with this of these people? Is everybody, you know, brain dead? What's happening? Yeah, I don't know. But now it's just it I get it. After when you've grown up on passions, nothing really surprises you in daytime anymore. <laughs> well, so even women with masks on. <laughs> Obviously, you know, you uh made a great transition to the show and you have thrived there. And one of the highlights that I want to ask you about is winning your daytime Emmy in 2014 uh, for the climax of the Brady Kristen storyline and all of that. Um, I want to know what that night was like for you and what it means to you to be able to put like Emmy winning uh, in front of your name. Hmm. I, I would be, I guess I'd be lying to you if I said it didn't matter at all. Um, I never thought that it would happen. I definitely didn't think it was going to happen that night. It was, that was my that was my first nomination for God's sake. So I pulled like an opposite Susan Lucci. You know, I, I <laughs> got it the first time out. Happened very very quickly. It was the first category of the night. It was the first time that the Emmys were not being televised. So Kathy Griffin was up there just like spewing off obscenities, and I had forgotten that I was like even nominated. I'm just watching this woman go on with this monologue thinking, is this thing, this is the daytime, this what's happening here. Next thing you know, you got Billy Bush up there, you know, saying my name and it was, it just happened really quickly. Um, but it was a super night. It was a super night and I will, will never forget it. Um, I don't take it lightly. I think it's, it's, it's hard to win one. It really is. You, you, there's a lot of people that have to come, you know, to your aid and, and, and say, hey, well, I, I like what you did, and, uh, and we thought it was terrific. And I don't, I don't take that for granted at all because there, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there right now, specifically in daytime, that are worthy of winning an Emmy. They really are. I think a lot of it has to do with production and the writing team giving you the football and letting you run with it, and meaning the story the grittiness. And I was just delivered this beautiful package of addiction and heartache. And, and when you have something, when you're given something like that, I think there's a lot of people in our industry right now that can portray it very, very well. So to win an Emmy these days, you have to have a great combination of being given terrific storyline and then committing to it fully. You know, it's the old actor adage that uh, when, when luck meets preparation, you're lucky when you get that storyline, and if you're prepared, you're gonna you, you have a good chance of winning one of these these trophies. Mm-hmm. And you did. Well, yeah. where do you keep it? I have it's moved around a little bit. I actually have it. Uh, it was up high for a long time because my kids just wanted to grab it and play with it and stab stab their brother with it because <laughs> the wings are very sharp. Um, but it's made its way to a lower uh, area area in the family room. It's. It's by my Sono speaker. 
Okay. <laughs> it's by good. my speaker. Get, yeah, get, she's hearing some good tunes, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, we can move on to certainly your most recent exciting story, <laughs> um, which was oh, the no. Kristen Nicole drama. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. I've run out of time. i got to go get <laughs> my stuff. I love you guys. Thank you. It was great. Bye. Thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, but all right, let's say it. Well, Go ahead. So Lean first of all, me. talk about just kind of working with Stacey and Ari and them swapping, I imagine, you know, and you seeing this all happen. Have you, obviously you've talked to Ari, you've talked to Stacey. Have you interviewed Stacey? Yes, we have. talked to her. Okay. There is a ridiculous romance going on between these two ladies. <laughs> um, they, they have a hell of a lot in common. Their work ethics are very similar. Uh, their wackiness and sense of humor is right on target. Uh, they are two peas in a pod. And when I'm around them, I love hanging around them, but I always feel like the third wheel. They, they just, they just, they're just like glue on each other. So this whole thing that, that, that the writers created had a, had a good thing going from the start because they were, di- they were dying to work with each other. And I mean, it doesn't get closer than that. So I was, I was, just, I would just sit back and watch them, watch them just rip it up. And, and Ari, I think, did such a good job with capturing some of uh, Stacy's mannerisms and just getting her down. And because we, we understood how ludicrous it was and crazy it was, but we all kind of got together. I remember we got together in my dressing room one day, and we all just all kind of looked at one another and said, "Okay, we're all probably going to get a lot of flack for this. Eric, you're probably going to be, you know, called the most superficial, one of the dumbest guys ever in the universe." But um, <laughs> Let's uh, let's go with it. And I said, yeah, yeah, let's let's do it. And we just got on a go team, and that's what you do. Well, and I did appreciate that pretty much for the first time that we've seen in a long time. They had Brady be like, yeah, something feels a little off. I mean, he's sleeping with this woman who is not the woman he thinks it is, but someone he slept with before. <laughs> and at least right. he had a red flag, okay? So they did give a little <sighs> bit of an out to Brady this time, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I figured Ron eventually felt sorry for him. And he's like, we got to give him like a flashback or something. Like, a, I know, maybe he touches her shoulder where the tattoo was and thinks about Kristen. He starts to key in on this. I mean, subconsciously, yeah, I he, had, he knew. He knew. He knew. And let's face it, we, we have to suspend reality a little bit with these soap operas. You know, it just. It's Salem it reality. It yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's and it's and let's face it, it's a whole new reality now. I mean, Ron's having fun. You know, he's just he's just having a ball. He, he he's such a fan of the show, and he he's just having a good time with these characters, and and audiences love it. I know. I'm out there at these soap events, and I ask him point blank. I grab that microphone, I sit in that chair, and I'm like, "Hey guys, I want to hear how you feel. What's going on? What do we hate? What do we love?" And by far, they they just love the lunacy. I think that that has a lot to do with why Passions was, you know, was, you know, successful and hit a chord with people because sometimes just the pure escapism mm-hmm. is what you need. That sometimes you just need to go to, you know, Baskin Robbins and get the ultimate banana sundae and just put all the toppings on it and just eat it. That makes you feel good. And we're not we're not pulling any punches right now. And this whole mask, you know, masked Kristen thing was just crazy, but. Oh my God! But when 
when they reveal when John when John Black pulled off the mask off of Kristen and that look in Stacy's face. I mean, that was just that was just soap opera. I loved it. I ate it up. I, I want to say there were you know so many people in that room when, when the mask came off, but my yeah, eyes right. kept going to you because I thought you were playing like such a compelling and and perfect straight man in that insane and ludicrous scenario. So caps off. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was, yeah, maybe that, I'll, I'll submit that for the Emmys next year. Just me staring at Kristen. Well, did you have to suppress any giggles while all of that madness was going on? Or did you, were you just like laser focused? Like uh, you, well, the, come on. The funniest part about me playing Brady is how Brady has really nothing to laugh at or smile about. And that's all I pretty much, I go through life doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm a goofball. I, I, I hope you've keyed in on that in the last like 11 years, but um, <laughs> this is news I, news to me, Eric. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a hard time not giggling and not finding the funny, but I, I can I can do it. I can pull it off, you know. <laughs> but it's always deep within my the bowels of just. I, I go through life to waiting to laugh at something, and I look for those moments. I search them out. Ari does too. She's the same way. It's hard for her to take anything serious. So the fact that we portray these tormented characters going through these tribulations is just the greatest thing ever. It's kind of like being a dentist and just hating teeth. You know, it's like we fooled everybody, you know. <laughs> well, just when Brady thought maybe he was out of Kristen's clutches, <laughs> boom, she's pregnant with his baby. Um, so what were your thoughts Amazing. on that twist? Amazing. Oh God! I mean, it had to happen. It had to. Happen. If there's one thing that's gonna that's gonna bring Brady to Kristen, it's gonna be a baby. I mean, I'm, we all know how uh, what kind of romantic glue you know a child can bring between couples, and she's she's gonna use it. She's going for it. You know, you know it's coming. Oh, they all yeah, and she's already she's already pouring on the the charm and the and the. And, you know, oh, we're, we're parents, and oh, the baby's so beautiful, and he's inside my belly, and oh my god, come over here, rub him. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's it's gonna happen. Well, but I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, well, I mean, there's Tate out there who <laughs> yeah. really does not get to see a lot, it seems. So <laughs> perhaps I'm it's... sorry, I'm sorry, who's that? <laughs> who? Oh, so, oh, yeah, 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 Tate, Tate, yeah, Tate, my son in California with Teresa. I mean, they have, what am I doing? They're spreading me thin, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, it's funny, for a soap, I was looking at a scene the other day between, um, I was thinking how you and, uh, how Brady and Eric really have, like, one kid between them. And usually on soaps, they would have a few kids by now. A few or eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah not that is, a lot. That, you're right. That is strange. How do, how do we manage that? I, I, I do huh. not know. But, yeah, well, I'm legitimately asking you. I don't, I don't know. That's crazy. Because I've been with almost everyone on the show now. I, I, maybe we're cracking uh, something wide open here about poor Brady's virility. I hope. <laughs> I hope not. That would be really <laughs> awkward on the podcast. It's more about Eric. It's more about Eric. Eric yeah, Brady's exactly. Virility. Yeah. I think that's where yeah. we should be. Well, you know, he was wearing a cloth for some years there. So. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Right, I that's guess, true. I guess that's that, true. That, that, that's why he has no kids. Okay, fair enough. All right. Oh, my God. We're just solving mysteries here. Right you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned a lot of enlightened today. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, in real life, as you mentioned, you are the father of 
twin sons. And as of April this year, I believe they are officially teenagers. What, what that is correct. How is that sitting with you? And what's life like in the Martsov house with two teenage boys? Ah, uh, um, God, I, I just realized most of the questions when you ask me, I have to sigh very deeply. <laughs> I have to myself up. Oh, God, um, it's hard. You'd be a it's, mess with Barbara Walters, clearly, by the way. Oh, she just ruined me. Yeah, yeah she would ruin me. No, I, it's, it's the hardest and the best thing in the world. I thought I knew what love was until these little stinkers came into the world. You would just, you would do anything for them, even though right now at this point in time, they, they use like three words. Uh, there's, there's, Hey dad, there's good and okay. That's pretty much how they explain everything. How was your day? It was good. You feeling all right? No, I'm okay. All right. Okay. So are you guys into girls yet? Duh. Well, are you? God. Yeah. So you don't get an answer. You just kind of get, you know, or, uh, 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 or, uh, or okay. So, you know, we got to work on their vocalizations a little bit and get them talking a little more. But So they can say precedent can someday. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny because, I, I mean, I'm a talker and I, I talk for a living, for God's sake. So when I come home and they just, they just, they're a little too cool for school right now. But that being said, um, they're beautiful kids and they, they just, they're, they're kind I, I watch them out in the world and uh, whenever they do something polite and their manners come through, uh, you know, Lisa and I kind of look at each other and give ourselves a little high five. Like, okay, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Look, he just, he just looked at that waitress and he said, excuse me, ma'am, may I please have some more ketchup? I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, high five. <laughs> little moments of greatness that come out of these kids. You hope you've raised them well and you just hope that they turn out to be good people. Just trying to raise little men. But it's uh, challenging. They eat a lot. I'm going to Costco all the time. I'm not saving a lot of money. Most of my days of lives money goes into their mouths. <laughs> that's, that's just the way it is. But I, I, I love it. I really do love being, being a father. And this whole twin thing, it's a lot. It's a lot at times, but I wouldn't change it. Right? Have they seen you on the show? Like, Do they watch you as Brady? They have. They they had a good time laughing about the mask thing. <laughs> they, they they asked me the same questions that most people out there. Dad, it's ridiculous. How could you not have known it's the other girl? <laughs> Which twin were you just impersonating or was yeah. it an amalgamation? Uh, that was both of them. Yeah. That was Chasen. I call Chasen Mason. I call him Chasen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loop them together into one big mess. Um but it was more awkward a couple of years ago when they would walk by and I'd be, you know, in a passionate love scene with another woman and they would just stare at the TV, then look at me, then look at the TV, then just the last look at me was just in total judgment. <laughs> and I, I, and they're, like, they're like, buddy, it's a show. No, no, no. Mom knows. Mom knows I'm doing that. <laughs> okay. You say so. I don't think she'd like it though. I'm like, well, she puts up with it because that's how we have like, you know, food. but they get it now they get it now yeah they i think they actually like to make fun of lisa at this point like mom you want to come in here check this out (laughs) mom's making dinner why don't you leave her alone okay 
By the way, I'm now picturing the Martzolf living room as just like the screensaver on the TV, just like rotating through all of your love scenes. <laughs> They're just constantly playing. Oh my God. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Uh, yeah, it's a good that's way to prank idea. Lisa. And you can have that I, for free. And torture the boys for life. Torture I think. the boys, totally. Two for, I can actually, two for one. You know, that'd be, it'd be easy to do, actually, because these, these wonderful fans have made these crazy compilation videos of Ethan and Teresa and Brady and, well, name the girl. And I could just right, fill in the blank. On, I could put those on replay on YouTube on the smart TV and just let it go. That's a great. Maybe I'll do that for my wedding anniversary. <laughs> We're happy to like, help. Hey, baby. I hope you enjoyed your steak at Morton's. Now I got some video for you. It's going to put you in the mood. Oh, that's brilliant. Here's me with nine other chicks. <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah, it's a good idea. It was your idea, so thank you. Yes, you're most well. So, so like, let's not have her listen to it. We don't want this podcast. We don't want to spoil the surprise. <laughs> right. Um, I'll keep her away from it. Yes, please. Um, well, <laughs> speaking of podcasts, you are the host of the recently launched podcast that brings the Four Dummy series to the podcast form. So how did this come yes. about? You know how this came about? Mackenzie Westmore. Oh, okay. Formerly Sheridan Crane on on Passions. Uh, She was working with a producer of podcasts, and he said that I need a a host for this particular podcast for the Four Dummies book series. And and after the description that he gave, she she said, "You want Eric Marsop?" And she called uh, she called me up, said why don't you do this? And I said, yeah, why don't I do this? And I went in and basically, I guess I auditioned for it in a sense, but read some copy and they, uh, they said, you're the guy. So I've, I've been doing it and, you know, podcasting, it's, 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 it's a tough little business. I mean, you put a, you put a lot of hours and a lot of work into it. And I'm, I'm actually at the point where I'm doing it from my home now, which is, which is much more convenient because I was driving to North Hollywood and doing these shows once a week. And I end up interviewing the authors of the actual books. And these are no dummies. These people that write these books on these topics, they're literally experts in their field. And it, we just, we're in a podcast age and uh, the company for dummies thought it would be a good idea to start podcasting these things. And that's what I do. So it's tough. I got to stay on my toes. I mean, we, we go from dogs to Brexit to cryptocurrency to Alexa to, I mean, we just, we're covering all bases, all subjects once a week. So it's a lot of fun though. So what does your role as host require? Like, are you cramming on these topics in advance or are you just like going in blind and you're letting the experts sort of like fill in whatever blanks you have? I have an outline that, that I'm, I'm given an outline that I, that I follow. Um, and I'm offered various questions that to ask the authors, but I, I spin off those questions. So it's not, completely delineated verbatim for me. Um, so I do have room to play, but I, I am given a general direction as to where to go. So, uh, but as far as my knowledge of the topics, no, they, they pretty much rely on, on, on my knowledge and what, what, you know, for lack of a better phrase, the, the, the normal person would want to know from these people, you know, break it down. Don't, don't talk to me like a, you know, like I'm some sort of, you know, philosopher, ancient Greek educator. I, I'm just a guy who wants to know a little bit about this subject so I can talk about it intelligently with people. And that's my job to make sure that those questions are asked and that they're explained in a way in which we can all understand them. Well, have you had a favorite topic or most memorable that you've covered so far? 
We did uh, we did Fortnite, which is that crazy game that is all the rage right now. And the reason I remember it so well is because I, I actually brought my sons in on the discussion oh. and had them speak to a Fortnite expert. And the best part about it was watching them who thought that they knew everything about Fortnite. Well, and I actually think they know everything about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you know this about 13 year olds. I don't know if you know this they about know Chasen. Chasen knows it all. So when Chasen realized on air that they didn't know it all. It was I, a dark day. I kind of, I kind of basked in that sunshine a little bit. I'm like, Oh, you guys didn't know that. Did you? <laughs> yeah. All right. That's pretty funny. But I, I, am, I am enjoying the process, and it, it is called uh, Four Dummies, the podcast, and you can subscribe to it anywhere, and it's free. It's free. These podcasts are free. Isn't that great? Yeah. So before we let you go, um, anything you can tease, because I know there's a lot coming up in Salem, but anything you can tease for anyone listening about what we oh. can expect from Brady's story coming up. What I can tell you about what's happening in the, in the near future is that Kristen is going to get her claws deep into Brady. They're going to bond over the baby. Everyone around Brady is going to be warning him, keep away from the rattlesnake. But the, the man just simply can't. And, uh, you know, I, I've been called, Brady's been called everything under the sun from a horn dog to a, you know, sex maniac. Why can't he keep off her? But the, we have to remember this man is, he's an addict in all senses of the word. I mean, women, power, substances. The guy has issues saying no to a lot of things. So um, give him a break, hang in there. (laughs) And uh, who knows? The question as to whether Kristen can be or will be redeemed still remains a mystery, I suppose. Oh, well, that is perfect. Can't wait to see it. And uh, we we thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I appreciate it. The walk, the walk down memory lane is always fun to do. And, and, and Stephanie, you've, you've been such a big part of it. And, um, just thank, thanks for supporting me and, and, and the show all these years. You're, you're awesome. Oh, thank you, please. It is my pleasure. And I love you too, Mara. <laughs> Back at you, Eric. We'll do a Joseph jam <laughs> next time. <laughs> Stephanie yeah. can leave the Bye. room. <laughs> well, <laughs> well have, totally a, fair. have a good day. We will talk soon. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Eric Martsoff for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.